because of um, spiritual darkness, but there was moral darkness. There was, um, in, in every manner that you could imagine, things were not developing. It was a very cruel and rick- wicked time. And, um, and yet, God made this promise at the very beginning. He said, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it is an incredible thing when you look through history. There have been horrific, and we'll look at some of them today, um, war, warfare against people that believe the same way as you and I believe, literally tried, trying to exterminate them. But... Um, we're in the dark ages, and Mark has a, um, a visual, well, I yeah, think. I, I'm going to start out with the next slide. Is a map of France, and we're, we're going to talk about three groups today. We're going to talk about four groups, actually, hopefully. Uh, we may get through the first one, though. The, uh, <laughs> the Petrobrusians, uh, or Petrobrusians, uh, up around Paris, and the Albigenses, down uh, near Albi, not Albia, but Albi, um, in the southern part there. And then the Waldenses, or the Waldensians, and the little black circles around the town of Lyon, and, or Lyons, and then the bigger picture um, is more of an expansion. But you're going to do the uh, petrib- Petributions. One thing that really, I think that the part we're going to do on the Waldenses are, probably more than what we're going to do on the other two. One of the reasons is that we have very little literature on these people. There's just not a lot about them. And um, why, do you th- wh- why do you think God has shut the door on a lot of our history? Anybody have any ideas? It's not like we have a definite answer on this. But in the sovereignty of God, throughout church history, there, much of it has been destroyed. I tend to go the same avenue here. We as human beings are so prone to worship other human beings, people that we can attach a name to and go back. And if you've traveled in Europe at all, all over Europe, you'll find pieces of the cross. You go into these churches and this is a piece of the cross. And and if you put all the pieces together, yeah, you, you could build Noah's Ark. Yeah, the cross. exactly. <laughs> and, and again, it shows that, that we're prone to to worship things besides Christ. And I think one of the reasons is that these were followers of Christ, but the key is Christ. It's not... It's not the, and the, these that we're going to look at manifested great faith. But the faith is in Christ, and, and they were people mightily used of God, but we are prone to worship people. The Roman Catholic Church has a distinction between worship and veneration. And it's such a fine line that 
I can't even define what the difference is. And that's, we really, we have to guard against that. We really do. Tell us about the petributions. You, do you have oh. a comment here? Yeah. And along that line, the Petributions got their name after, really, a man by the name of Peter of Bruce. Was, um, that was the city that he was from. He had been a priest, and we don't know how all this came about. But he came to know Christ as his personal Savior, undoubtedly, through study of Scripture. But we don't know if... Someone came and shared with him. And in studying Scripture then, um, he came to know Christ as a Savior. He saw that infant baptism does not save and, save, and he rejected infant baptism. He rejected the uh, abuse of um, communion that, as we've said before, that the, the church then believed that it became the body of Christ and so on. Um, <clears throat> And he really emphasized that the Scripture is the authority. And God had gifted him in an amazing way. He was a great spokesman. And um, as a result of that, he, he proclaimed the truth. And you put the two together. Uh, he knew how to present truth. And the Spirit of God working with truth, they saw amazing things happen. And, um, in fact, there were entire um, Catholic churches that the whole congregation, when they heard him preach in the city, just became converts. And the, the priest would show up and know what, nobody would be there for Mass because they, they um, were followers of Christ. And, um, needless to say, that brought the wrath of... Um, of the Catholic Church upon them at this time. And he was exiled to um, a city in northern France, and, and yet God gave him 20 years of preaching, and the gospel spread from this place in northern France into the Netherlands, into what we now know as Germany. And, um, and they... Again, the more they studied the Scripture, the more they rejected prayers for the dead and, and purgatory and, and paying things for dead people. And, and people responded in these dark ages, responded to the truth until after 20 years, um, he, he then was preaching and a mob came, took him, burned him at the stake in St. Giles and... Um, they weren't called Petrobutions until after his death, but their enemies started calling them that. They're followers of Peter of Bruce. They started calling him Petrobutions. Really, they weren't followers of Peter. They were followers of Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ that God used Peter. And you know, he'll be one of the characters that when we get to heaven, I'll be anxious to see how did he come to know Christ as Savior and and then when he was exiled, God gave him 20 years and he preached. And um, it's just incredible. And from that, from his preaching, a group of people came to know Christ. Well, some people came to know Christ. And the Albigenses in southern France um, 
We don't know the story, but the gospel really took great root down here in southern France. And um, it's amazing to read about the Albigenses. They were the barons of southern France. The landowners loved the Albigenses because they were hardworking. They were honest. They loved to have them on their lands working for them. And... um, and they would give testimonies of that. And as a result, many, many of them even came to know Christ as Savior. But the Albigenses, again, a great working of revival in southern France. And again, in the midst of a stronghold that, that taught the marriage of church and state, that taught salvation by baptism and the, the means of grace through the church and everything, um, the truth came and it was, it was like a sword. It just cut and people responded to the truth. But um, needless to say, it was not welcomed by the Roman church. And in, in the late 1100s, a half a million men were gathered together under the authority of four archbishops and... Um, they came in southern France to destroy the Albigenses. Now think of this. You're talking 500,000 soldiers coming to wipe out the Albigenses. And we don't have time to, to go into it, but... That, that's more than the United States Army. This is... See, and originally the Crusades were against the Muslims. But you don't read about this. The Crusades then were turned against Bible-believing people like you and I. And the Albigenses, and it, it was war. They, they ran for their lives. There were um, entire towns that were completely ransacked and destroyed because many of the barons saw them as favorable people. They sheltered them. Their lands and properties were destroyed. And... Uh, 500, 500 villages and cities and their fortresses fell. And if you've ever been in Europe, I mean, we're talking fortresses. But they came against them. Even in, in the history that we have is written from the opponent. I mean, the, it's not written from our perspective. But they told of um, coming to one city and they said, there may be Catholics in this city. And they said, kill them, women and children, old men, young men, priests, all without, without distinction. Kill them all. God will know his own. And they, they literally came in and, and just destroyed everyone. And we said, no one has, has killed more Christians throughout history than, than the Roman Catholic Church. And the Albigenses were used of God. They sent out missionaries. And um, much of it was they they were sent out because they were fleeing for persecution. But hiding in caves. And and, um, as as they went, they carried the gospel unashamedly. And um, because of that, they they were blessed of God seeing revival, but... They, hundreds of thousands of them were wiped out 
But the gospel went to Germany. Um, we read, there was, um, I, I read this last week, a group of um, Germans that went to England. And they were Bible believers. Uh, they showed up in England and spoke German and um, were heavily persecuted. They were branded on their forehead as heretics. They were stripped of their clothing and sent out. And the church in England at that time said, no one is to harbor these people, feed these people, do any of it. And um, it was in the dead of winter, and they went out and died of, um, of starvation and from exposure. But for the cause of Christ, I mean, this is how much truth mattered to them. And, it, and it, it's interesting to see from southern France to Germany to England, where does our heritage come from as a nation? And, and yet they love Christ more than their own life. And um, again, we don't have a lot of details, but it's fascinating when you see how God carried the gospel and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I read... I read a half a million people, and I thought, wait a minute. You know, I'm not the brightest, but that's um, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> just, to, just to wipe out these people. And you know what? It kind of changed my attitude toward the French. Seriously. Yeah. What was left in France? Nothing. I mean, you think what was left in France is what's there today. They wiped out all the godly people. So um, we owe a debt of gratitude to the French believers. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, well, uh, you see the middle black circle is, <coughs> is uh, around the city. This is a French map, so it's, it says lion. We call it, we'd say lions. Um, and that's where um, a guy by the name of Peter Waldo, uh, began his ministry. Um, go ahead, go ahead, two. Two slides for me. Okay. Uh, the Waldensian church, sometimes I'm going to call them Waldensi, sometimes Waldensian, it's all the same thing. Um, the poor men of Lyons. Peter Waldo was a guy who lived in, in uh, the city of Lyons, and he was rich. He, he was a merchant, he'd made a lot of money, and he got converted. More than likely, from an Albigenian. Um, we don't know that. We don't have that particular piece of information. But somehow he got his hands on, on the Bible, on the Word of God, and the Word of God changed his life. And he came to the conclusion that he needed to sell all his goods and, and preach Christ and, and give, them, give his money to the poor and, and live the Bible. That's what he decided that, that he needed to do. His wife was not tickled with this decision. Um, in fact, his wife said, you're, you're nuts, don't do this. And um, he, he said, well, you know, you can have, you can have uh, all, the, all my goods and you can have all my land. And she took the land and he took all the goods, sold them all and, and uh, gave his money away. And his followers became known as the poor men of lions. And some of the other ones uh, in other towns that, that began to follow him, they just became the poor men. 
because every penny they got was gone, or every shilling with the franc, whatever they have over there, um, euros. The uh, <laughs> I didn't have euros in those days, but they but uh, when they they gave it to the poor and, and they preached, and his preaching was dead on. I mean, it was the Bible, and. Uh, the the one priest in Lyons just went bonkers on him because it was pulling away from his ministry. Uh, I used the term loosely, and uh, and so he got brought before the the archbishop, and the archbishop said, "This guy's right on." Uh, the, the archbishop said, he, "He's preaching what is in the Bible." And embraced him, literally hugged him, and said, "I want this guy to be one of my priests." And and he said, "I want you to preach. I want you people to preach. You just you need to you need to be ordained." And one of the things was he said, "No, you know, I I don't. I have my commission from the Bible, from God. I don't need a commission from the Pope." And it was all of a sudden a major back off, and and uh, the. And we, we, we see him now being on the outside of the Catholic Church instead of being on the inside. Um, I think I have up there, yeah, that, well, two of these, okay. Is he lived the same time of, of uh, Francis of Assisi, who, you know, is revered as, you know, a great Catholic um, saint. The thing is that, that both of these guys had very similar beliefs. I think that I think if you really study <coughs> Francis, Francis was was a Christian. Um, the thing was that that Francis just lived off on him, on his own, and he they said, "Well, you need to be you know you need to be affiliated." And he went, "Oh, okay, here's my dues, you know, and I'm affiliated." And they left him alone. Had Waldo done that, he'd probably be you know Saint Waldo. Um, and really, I mean, he, they, they, at that moment, at that particular moment in that particular region, the, many of the Catholics were not that far off. But they need, you know, it was like you have to have the dealership franchise. And if you're not <laughs> going to do that, you're not going to do it. Go to the next one. You already got two of these are Peter Waldo and one's not. If, can you guess which? <laughs> yeah. Okay, move on. The, uh, okay, so real quick. Uh, I promised I'd stay on task today. I didn't actually promise. I said I'd try. Um, Waldo gets converted a, around uh, 1170. Six years later, he's excommunicated by the Pope. Uh, so fastest way to get excommunicated is to become a Christian. Um, Three years later, he's called to Rome, and he he goes before the Lateran Commission, or uh, Council rather, and and they're questioning him. Um, there's an emissary from England there, from from the King of England, who reports back that that uh, Peter Waldo and his his followers are the finest men in Europe. Um, that you know they are. That he, he reported back to the King of England that this group is surely the Apostolic Church. Hmm. Um, but the Pope didn't see it that way. The Council didn't see it that way. And, and they were 
they were um, all, they'd already been excommunicated, but it was kind of like you know an extra excommunication. Um, and four years later, Pope Lucius III completely outlaws the Waldensians, and they flee to the Cadian Alps on the French-Italian border, which is really a very beautiful area. Um, but that's I mean, if you're going to flee, flee to Jamaica. No, I mean, <laughs> flee to someplace nice. They did. And uh, they, they settled in five uh, valleys that are right there on the border in the Alps between, not, there's not a between, in France and, and in Italy, but in that region right there. And that's, that's where they settled. Um, the, go ahead to the next one. In uh, 1190, uh, 1192, the Pope just, he says, that's it. I'm going to smash these guys. And he really goes in after the, the Waldenses, and, uh, and, they, and they scatter, just like, just like every group that we've seen before. But just like every group that we've seen before, as he spatters them, they go out, and they spread. And they, they're, they're the... I mean, it's, it's really... If you should go and look up each of these groups, do a Google on them, and then go to the Catholic uh, encyclopedia on each group. Because in every single one, this, it, this uh, heretical group, da, 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 that, that's the beginning sentence of every one, this heretical group. And they, um, so anyway, these guys scatter and, they, and, they're, and they're spreading the gospel even more so that in, in many of the same places that the Albigenians are. Have, have scattered too. These people are now coming as well. They're allying themselves because they're very, they're very, very similar um, in their beliefs. And there's, there gets to be um, a stronger and stronger New Testament church made up of the Waldenses, the Albigenians, the Petributions who've been scattered here. And they make their way into, like I say, France, Italy, Germany, the, the Czech Republic, which at the time was called Bohemia, um, and, and all this. And then in 1307, a bizarre turn of events, Pope Clement V and King Philip XIV of France turned on the Knights Templars. And the Knights Templars were a crusading group. They were all Catholic. I mean, they, they were Catholic Catholic. They weren't just Catholic. They were Catholic Catholic. And they were, they were really, they were, they, were the, they were the muscle of the Catholic Church. Marine and Corps? They were. They, they were the special forces. These guys were really, but they were also, had gained huge amounts of power. And in, in 1307, um, the, the Catholics turned on them. Um, kind of like when, kind of like when, no, I won't say it. Um, because it's being recorded. Um, but there have been other times in history when the leaders have turned on the military. And that's what, that's what happened here. And they uh, tortured their last grandmaster uh, until, until he died, burned him at the stake. And, and, what, and this is the bizarre part. Okay, the, the, last, the last guy, um, the last grandmaster was a guy na- by the name of Jacques Bernard de Molay, um, who had been, I mean, he had been Philip's, or not, yeah, 
King Philip's son's godfather. He had been, the week before he was arrested, Philip's, King Philip's uh, uncle had died. And Demolay had been one of his pallbearers. I mean, this is how close they are in, in, this, in this group. And they turn on him. They, they, they torture him. They, they burn him at the stake. And what's left of the Knights Templars, just a few, there's not very many, but what's left of them and what's left of their fortune is, is dedicated to the destruction of the papacy. That becomes their entire mission is to bring down the Pope. And that's so interesting because they then ally themselves with two groups. They ally themselves with the Masons and with the Waldenses. And the reason why we have as much, and why God chose to do it this way, but the reason why we have as much information about the Waldenses as we do is because God chose to bring down the Knights Templars and turn them turn the remnant against the against uh, the papacy and i've got um no i'll come back to that i'll come back to the symbolism but the uh, but you know you see things that god does and in history it makes no sense whatsoever it makes no sense for the for the french king and the pope to turn on the knights templars makes no sense whatsoever. But in doing it, he now preserves this history for us. Kind of gives us uh, encouragement when we see stuff happening today that makes no sense in our nation. God is able to make no sense his sense. And, it's all and it is his sense. It's not like he has to make it. It already is. Yeah, it's not like he goes, oh, how am I going to fix this? Right. It's, it's from the get-go. He's got this down. And it's just, it's incredible. You know, it's amazing. You mentioned about um, the difference between Francis of Assisi. You know, the, a little compromise. I mean, Peter Waldo and these others saw that we don't have to be dependent upon the church. We are dependent upon God. Now, some of these others believed the same way, but they didn't believe that. They couldn't imagine existing apart from the church. And as we go on throughout this study, we're going to see that often. But there's always been people that said, it's God's work. If he's, going to, if he's in it, he'll provide for it. And um, that's, that's amazing then because of that one doctrinal belief. We have a completely different... Yeah. Yeah. Um, the what was left of the Waldenses, for a short time protected by what was left of the Templars, these guys flee into the Alps again, and instead of fleeing into the valleys and into the into the villages, they flee into every little cranny they can they can flee into. And in 1560, the Inquisition, which had been founded by Dominic Saint Dominic, right, or the Dominican Republic, though, okay, is the uh, the Inquisition begins the great persecution of the Waldenses. And when we say great persecution, it's like this, like you were talking about the, the Albigenses. Um, they came after these guys, no holds barred. And, they were, and the, the group 
You've, you've heard of the Dominicans, right? This, is, this was the group that came after them. They gave this group of monks. Um, they were soldier monks. They were not. They were not little. They were not chubby little guys running around in these long robes. You know, um, what, that's you not who they're monks. Right? Like. No, that's these guys were armed to the teeth, dressed, dressed to the nines, and armed to the teeth. They were ready to go, and um, and the Dominicans literally means. You know, a canine is a what? What's a canine? A dog. It's a dog. The Dominicans are the dogs of God. And their job was to rip apart the Waldenses wherever they found them. And they did. Um, from, uh, okay, if I can get my contact to focus here. Not going to work. Um, in uh, 1560, when, when the villages were deserted, the old, the feeble, women and children fled to the forest. The rocks, the highest peaks of the mountains. Untrained peasants were uh, obligated, were obliged to form themselves into small brigades. Tottering old men and boys organized themselves into guards and sentinels and accomplished immortal exploits by their skill and fortitude against the veteran invaders. Um, it goes on about you know how they were not able to, I mean, they were, they were, Old men and, and women and children and you know, boys. Um, the horrible inquisition was formed with the express purpose of planting an iron foot upon the throat of the most hallowed rights of men. Um, goes on. I want to get to the part here. Many of them were, fro- now we're talking about the Waldenses, frozen to death. Others were cast from the high uh, precipices and dashed to pieces. Some were driven into caverns and, by filled, with, and filled the mouths of their caves with faggots were, su- were suffocated. In other words, they, they set fires at the mouth of the caves. Others were hanged in cold blood, ripped open and disemboweled, pierced with prongs, drowned, wrapped limb from limb till death relieved them, were stabbed, torn apart by dogs, burned and crucified with their heads downward. Uh, Fox Books and Mortars relates one case where 400 mothers had taken refuge into, in the cave of um, Castizi, Cast, Castiuzo. Go to the next slide. That's the mount there. They were in a cave up on top of there. There are 400 mothers. No, no men. 400 mothers with their babies. And... That they they went in they, they they went into this cave to hide, and they found them and they they're in there and with a direct order from Pope Innocent the Third what a great name Pope Innocent the Third um, gave the order to seal the cave and set it on fire. I mean you talk about today non-combatants. 400 women with their babies. Unbelievable. Un- this unbe- I mean, I can't hardly, I can hardly go on with it. Um, All in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. In the name of God. It's little wonder 
and you, and you have people who you know well, why are we don't, you know why aren't we just one big happy family? It, it's it's hard to get over that. Okay, it, it is. Um, going to the next slide, the Waldenses did survive. Um, here, there's sim- a couple of their symbols. The two on this side are are the same as what uh, are the same one. One's in a stained glass. The the candle, the single light, a small light, not not the a small light on the Bible, and it says a light in the darkness in Latin. Uh, over there, you have the the uh, Waldensi cross or the Huguenot cross. They're both the same. Um, the Maltese cross with the, with, with the connections, the connections from one part of it to another. And you see that it makes a heart. And then underneath is, is the dove. But it's really interesting. And I couldn't find a picture of it. It's really interesting that another one of the symbols is the same one, but instead of a dove hanging down from the bottom is a tear, a teardrop, um, which, is, which is interesting. Last thing, uh, and I looked all over to try to find this to be able to put it up. And if you want to look at it, you can, you can look at it. Um, but, but there's a French history of Christianity uh, and specifically of the Waldenses. And the cover of the book has got all these symbols of, of the Waldenses, including the, the candle. And among them is the burning bush, Moses' burning bush, showing that, that while the Catholic Church was trying to destroy them, the bush is not, distru- is not destroyed. The fire is there, but they are not destroyed. Another symbol was the lily growing up among thorns, and yet the lily continues to grow. Um, the, at, at the bottom of it, you have three um, men pounding on, a, on an anvil, and it's the anvil of truth. And the three men, one of them is, it represents the state, one represents the Pope, and he's wearing the whole Pope outfit. And then there's another one representing uh, foreign invaders. And as they're pounding on the anvil of truth, their hammers are breaking. Because the truth, they can't beat down the truth. But then the last thing, and this goes back to the whole were there hard feelings? The two, the two uh, Waldensi preachers, as they're holding this stuff up, what they're trampling on, what they're grinding their feet on, are the bishop's mitre, the book of doctrine, the rosary, and the pope's hat. That's what's on, under their feet. And uh, it just makes for a real interesting... There's the... There's the there's the two sides. Of, they, there was not a lot of love loss there between them. Um, this led on, well, um, to, to two different things. I guess I'm going to go with this other one first. When, when, the Waldens, when a handful of Waldenses got the chance to flee and come to America, they did. And they came to North Carolina of all, and before the revolution um, and founded the city of Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S, North Carolina. Still there. Still a Waldensian place. Uh, they, you know, just like different communities, you know, the Dutch pull out all their, you know, the Pellet pulls out all their Dutch stuff. These guys pull out their, their ancient costumes of what the Waldensians 
but they uh, they needed a way to to, to uh, support themselves, and they they became bakers. They became very famous bakers. And if you've ever seen Sunbeam Bread, that's the Waldensies. Um, and Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. <laughs> hence, hence the name Sunbeam Bread. Um, okay, real, real quickly. In 1315, there was, and see, God will even use Dutchman uh, by the name Amen. of Walter Lollard. It's harder with some groups than with others. So, uh, became... You might want to edit that. They couldn't raise funds for missions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A a preacher in what's today the Czech Republic, and uh, he was, well, he was part of, let me get my notes here. Um, Yeah, okay. He he led a great revival among the people there who were of Waldensian and... and, uh, Say it again. Albigensis. Yeah, that's the word. Um, people. And there was a huge, huge revival. So within five years, the Catholics had captured him and burned him at the stake. And uh, he was Walter Lollard, and that's where we get the Lollards from. The Lollards, go to the next slide, uh, were being persecuted by a, a monk by the name of Eckard, or Eckard, and he was charged with persecuting the Lollards killing them, anything you can do to get rid of them. And like Paul, after persecuting the Christians for a while, he converted. He went, these guys are really, they're really something, and became a born-again Christian and even a Lollard. Uh, He himself, of course, was captured and then burned at the stake uh, for his beliefs. Uh, The Lollards, like those before, scattered, and most importantly, scattered to England. I guess I shouldn't say most, but important to us, they scattered to England, right? Because, believe it or not, we're speaking English. Um, most, much of our heritage is English, whether we're good Germans or, or what. Um, we, we, got, we got our English heritage. And the Lollards went there, and this is, I think, where we're going to leave off today. But while one of the guys who, uh, who became a Lollard was John Wycliffe. And, of course, very important because Wycliffe, the the morning star of the Reformation, which is interesting that he's the morning star of the Reformation because uh, his work helped the Reformation. But once again, Baptists are not Reformers. Baptists are pre-Reformation. We are not Protestants. Okay? Not everybody who's not Catholic is a Protestant. We are not Protestants. We are Baptists. Okay? And uh, it's, it, there's a difference. So, I'm, I'm, I made it through all that. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was going to shoot me with a dart gun. <laughs> Don't believe everything he says. <laughs> it was a 22. No. <laughs> Airsoft. <laughs> you know, just listening to this, um, the truth prevails, but it was combined with lives that backed it up. And that man that went back to England and said, these are the finest men on the face of the earth. I mean, he was there 
with the opposition to these people and to go back and say that. And, you know, it, it ought to challenge every one of us. <clears throat> you may be in a work environment that is not friendly to Christ, but they should be able to say, you know what, I don't like this or that, but that is the finest person we have in the place. And, and all of this makes us realize our, our nation isn't becoming more friendly to Christianity, but it shouldn't cause us to fear. God is in control, and we need to match truth. And I, I love that illustration, the anvil and everything beaten on truth that just eventually breaks. Um, truth prevails. And <clears throat> we just need to <clears throat> make sure that we are diligent students of truth. And that means the Word of God, not what we say, but what God's Word says. And truth always prevails. It, it, things may beat upon it and flames may lap upon it, but it, it will prevail. One, one thing that is really important to remember is that like when, when Jesus was, was talking to the disciples about Peter's confession and he said, he said, you know, I'm going to build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You don't, we don't have to worry about the gates of hell. Amen. We don't have to worry about, you know, the burning bush isn't consumed by the fire. We don't have to be concerned with the fire. We don't have to be... <coughs> we, our job is to take care of the bush. Our job is to be the anvil. Our job is to be the candle. It's not, it's not the darkness we have to worry about. It's the light that, that we are to be. And the, you know, the, it's so easy to... It's so easy... I, one of, the, one of the, the dangers of doing this for you... One of the dangers for me is I read this stuff and I get angry. I mean, I get angry when I read about 400 mothers with their babies getting slaughtered. It makes me mad. Okay? Well, it's not my job to be mad. It's my job to carry on the truth. Right? And my job is not revenge. My, my, and one of the, I guess one of the things in that picture of them standing on that other stuff is that our job is not to grind other stuff into the ground. Our job is to lift up Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And you know, that shows us too, they were human beings just like us. They were not perfect. Um, they had a vengeful spirit and I can't say that... I don't blame them. But you know, but... God calls us to love our enemies, to bless them that curse us. And, and the thing is, thank God He uses imperfect vessels or there'd be no hope for any of us. And His truth goes on. It's a victor's crown. What's that song? For all the saints. Yep. Amen. Well, you've been given truth. In Jesus Christ.
And we will answer to him someday what we've done with it. With minimal rabbit trails. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray.